Welcome to today's episode of the John Papaloni Show. I am excited. I have Terry Ann Richards on the show today, and I am looking forward to this podcast. I'm going to bring her in. Hi, Terry. How's it going? Hey, how are you? I'm doing very well. So happy to have you here today. I'm excited to be here. So I want to start off with the podcast with a bit of an introduction and biography of who you are and how you got here. Awesome. So I am a serial entrepreneur. I like to joke that I got my MBA from the streets of entrepreneurship. Uh, I've been in business for myself since the age of 18 and a half years old. Uh, Over the course of my business career, I've had eight different companies. For the majority of those companies, they've been tangible. So real estate companies, travel agencies, marketing agencies, uh, brick and mortar retail stores. Uh, And about five years ago, I moved into the world of business and leadership development coaching. And that is what I do full time now, working predominantly with female leaders and entrepreneurs. And I take an inside out uh, approach. So my goal and all of the lessons that I've learned in business is that for you to be really successful in business, you need to be successful in your personal life. And so we need to integrate it. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done uh, from the inside out. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Totally makes sense. Now, why entrepreneurship? I mean, like, I'm sure like you, or like me, I mean, when uh, growing up, you know, usually get the message of go to school to get a good education and get a good job. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not for everyone. And that's usually often ignored. Mm. So how did you discover that doing that nine to five or being told to do jumping jacks when you don't feel like doing jumping jacks is just not for you? So I think there's probably a couple reasons. Number one, um, I'm definitely a rebel without a clue if the, you know, I I zag when everybody else is zigging. So by nature, I like to do things differently. I think the other side of that is I had my daughter when I was 17. I was pregnant at 16. I was 17 when I gave birth to her. And for all intents and purposes, everybody sort of chalked me up as this is your life. And, you know, you'll be on government assistance for the rest of your life. Moved into a couple jobs And the jobs that I had weren't flexible. I was a single mom trying to take care of a little girl. And if I called in sick two days in a row because she was sick and the daycare wouldn't take her, guess what? I lost my job. And so I very quickly realized that I wasn't really employable, A, because of my rebellious side and B, because I was a single mom who needed flexibility. And so I found my way into entrepreneurship And then it's sort of like tattoos. Once you go in, you're just like, you can't get enough of it because there's so much opportunity uh, to really grow and expand your reach in business. Well, I found that interesting that you compared it to tattoos. (laughs) So I'm taking you have a few. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) That That was good though. But I like it. You know what? You were told that you were not going to become anything. You were told that you were going to, you know, basically beat down emotionally. Mm-hmm. For lack of a better description. Mm-hmm. And you just said, oh, no, no, that's not going to happen. That's not what we're doing. I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it my way. 100%. Which is awesome, right? I mean, it, it's great because like, let, let's be honest. Life is going to throw you all kinds of uh, issues and problems. And I noticed in your bio, you said you've had many failures as well as many successes. So yeah. where I want to go with this is, uh, can you talk about some of the failures? Like what would be your uh, biggest failure and how did you overcome that? I think my biggest failure came in three. So uh, let me uh, preface, preface it by saying this. The reality of it is when you take risk and they say entrepreneurs, you know, jump off the cliff and build the parachute on the way down. The reality is, is when you take any type of risk, the the, the natural end result is you're going to fail some. So uh, I just want to say that first, because failure is not a bad thing to me. But in a very short amount of time in my mid-20s, when I had my retail store, I went from being a almost million dollar retail store in a little town of Rossi, New Brunswick, and St. Andrews, New Brunswick. I had two stores, Wellness Center, uh, Publishing House. Lots of mistakes made that we can talk about in a second. Uh, And uh, after about four years in business, uh, completely lost the reins, growed really, really fast, grew really fast, and uh, lost everything. Closed the company, had to go bankrupt, ended up having a personal burnout, a mental burnout, ended up in the hospital for two weeks. Took me three, four, five months, I can't even remember how long it took to 
completely recover from that. And then within a few short years, got a divorce. Like if it all could have happened at once, it happened at once. And, you know, I feel like there's so many nuggets, so many lessons that I learned from that. Um, one of which is uh, stay in your lane, know your strengths <laughs> uh, and delegate the rest. Right. See, that's the thing you said right there is like, know your strengths. So many times I hear people say, you know what I mean? Like, know your strengths, know your weaknesses. So you know how to get better on your weaknesses. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, why would you want to focus on what you're bad at when you can become the best at what you're good at and just 100%. delegate what you're bad at? A hundred percent. And so like, think about it. If you think, you know, what you're not good at, we all have a, you know, a list of those things. You can only improve that by a certain amount, right? You know, I am not good at finance. I am not an accountant. I know that. I don't understand, you know, the debits and credits when it, you know, you put them on an Excel sheet. I, you know, I'm saying this publicly, it's the truth, but I'm really good at delegating to somebody who that's, that's their play zone. That's their sandbox. That's what they do. They went to school for it. They were probably back in, you know, high school chomping the bits at the numbers and enjoying it. I was the one that was like, how do I get out of this class? Right. So it's not my play zone. So who am I to take their gift and try to pretend it's mine? And the same goes for them. They're not natural creatives. So that's what I'm really good at. So I think you, can, you can't expand your weaknesses to, to 10. You might be able to become a five. But your strengths, what you're a seven, an eight, a nine at, yeah, you can exponentially grow those. And so I feel like that's where we need to focus. Absolutely. I love that. You're, that. you're exactly what I think. I think the exact same way. Now, so going back to your failure, you just, what, in terms of that uh, retail store. Yes. So what would, would you say was the leading cause for it to not uh, succeed? Oh, it's never one thing. I, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a few things. So number one, I was, uh, I had a lot to prove in my younger years, right? So I was that girl who everybody said was not going to make it. And so uh, I think my ambitious and my ambitious side, my drive, my ego uh, got in the way because I had a lot of success really quickly as a, as a young person. So I think that was a driving force. Uh, I had never worked retail before. I had never managed people before. So uh, have you ever heard of a micromanager? That was me, which just meant... <laughs> <laughs> which just meant I had my hand on everything, which means I had it really on nothing. I had no checkpoints. And so, you know, through the course of a year and a half, I had staff steal hours, money went missing, inventory went missing. I expanded too quickly without all the checkpoints in place. My hands were everywhere. I was working 80 hours a week. It just, it wasn't sustainable. And so short-term success, you know, yay me, uh, but the reality is it just wasn't sustainable. There was just too much happening. And I was trying to do it all and be it all because, you know, I had a lot to prove and my big ego wouldn't allow me to say, hey, I don't know how to do that. That person over there that I hired, <laughs> that's really good at that's going to do it. It's like, no, no, no. I need to know how to do that because, you know, I'm the owner. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. I like, <laughs> you know what? I, I've been through that before. As you saw me raise my hand, I'm a, uh, I, I, one of my biggest businesses, I was a micromanager. It's just one of those things. I was very fortunate that I was able to scale so fast that it didn't matter how much of a micromanager I was. Mm. I could not defeat myself. You know what I mean? Like it was just one of those things that I just grew. I mean, like, we're not talking about where I, I, I went from a $50,000 a year business to a $100,000 a year business. No, no, no. We're talking about I went from a $100,000 business to a $3 million business to a $10 million business in a very quick time. Mm -hmm. It seems no matter how many times I solved a problem, it just got bigger. And mm -hmm. as an example, a lot of times it's like I didn't use 30-day terms for suppliers. I paid everything COD. So imagine, you know, you, you start off with one job that just say costs a thousand bucks and use this as a number. Now you have $1,500 to your name. So you have a thousand bucks and $500 for payroll, mm -hmm. which is not a lot, but all of a sudden you think, okay, I can manage that. But now you have two jobs to pay for yep. and, that, and you still have that $1,500, right? Because you, it's just the way it is, right? Like, so 100%. now all of a sudden 
where do you come up with the extra $500 that you need? Sometimes you play games. Like what I mean by games, you go pick up the first job, you distribute it, try to collect, and then use that money to pay for the second job. But now you're saying, okay, that now I'm at 2000 so I could pay for two. But now you got three and a half jobs. Yeah. Then you have seven. Then you have 15. And they there's call those, no way. They call those growing pains. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? And that's what was happening. And it was yeah. so difficult. So I was fortunate to have that problem. And when I had that problem, I was not grateful at the time for it. I was angry, right? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking I can't keep up. I can't, this is driving me nuts. I felt stressed. I felt choked. And I remember my brother-in-law telling me, he goes, you should be thankful. A lot of people wish they had your problem. I mean, they usually have the opposite problem. And I'm saying, well, what are you talking about? Right? How can you deal with this? No, this is not a good problem. Um, and years later, I realized looking back, which is anyone can figure out looking back, that was a good problem. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not going to say it's an easy way to fix it or, you know, anybody can solve it or there's a, there's, you know, like it's one, two, three, and, you know, only a dummy can't figure it out. No, I mean, it's difficult. It's really, really hard. You mm. know what I mean? And with that being said, with it being that hard, there's no simple solution, but it is a good spot to be in. It is a good place to have a problem with, if that makes sense. 100%. So, yeah, so that was a challenge. And I was fortunate to avoid that problem because I think from what you described, if I did not have that problem, I probably would have learned the lesson the same way you did. Mm -hmm. Right? Because I can relate to everything you were saying. It's just I was scaling so fast yep. that it was scaling fast enough that the scale was covering my flaws. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like that. That that needs to be put on a on a t-shirt. Yeah, for real. That's my next shirt, next podcast. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so that's awesome. So that's the thing, right? So that's what led you to fail. Like I'm going to use one of the things you mentioned. What do most people fail at achieving their goals? Not what, why? Mm, why? So it's interesting. So statistically speaking, this is actually a scary stat when I think about it from a coach's perspective, but less than 3% of the world's population actually sets goals on an annual basis, like 3%. So like there's a lot of people in the world, but only 3% of people are actually setting goals. And of that 3%, only 8% of them actually succeed. And the reason for that, so that means like 92% of people are not achieving their goals. Like that's a large number of people not hitting the outcomes, the desires, all the stuff they want, kind of sitting in misery. And the reality of it is, is it comes down to some really basic stuff that we kind of skip over. And I think for me, what I've learned is that people need to stop setting goals based on somebody else's highlight reel, that business book, that coaching book, that real estate book that you just read that said all the things that you're supposed to do. No, we need to set goals based on our priorities and our values first. It's sort of like if somebody says, uh, here's what my priorities are, my family, my health, my children. And then you look at their goals and they want to create a $10 million business. And that requires them to work 75 hours a week then really is your priority your health, your family, and your children? The answer is no. So you need to start with your priorities and your core values first because then you're setting yourself up for success. So that's number one. Number two is uh, a goal without a plan is just like throwing a quarter in a wishing well. And so many people are like, yeah, going to make a million dollars this year. Great. How are you going to do that? What's the breakdown? How, what are you going to do quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four? What are you going to do week one, week two, week three? How are you going to track it? And so a lot of times we create the how, you know, I'm going to make a million dollars this year. And the how is I'm going to show up more on LinkedIn and I'm going to do a blog a day. Okay, cool. That's your how. But two weeks down the road, you're still doing that. Three weeks down the road, four weeks, five, six, eight. Are you getting results? No. So maybe your how needs to tweak. The goal remains the same, but the how to get there, we have to tweak and iterate it. And the only way you can tweak and iterate a goal is if you're tracking it. So, so many people set a goal, have no plan, and then they have no tracking mechanism. And then the other thing is, is I think it's cool to have the Hags, big, hairy, audacious goals, but the brain is wired to win. And if you have enough losses on a daily and a weekly basis, you start losing momentum, you start losing confidence in yourself. And the reality is, is 
BHAGs are cool. They're like the, the big shining bright light in front of you, but you need to chunk it down. It's like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You need to have a 10 out of 10. I feel so freaking confident in my abilities to create this, to bring this goal to fruition, then I'm going to kill it. You need to be a 10 out of 10 because if not, you're going to lose momentum, right? It's like, I'm going to go from not going to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym seven days a week, five days a week. Mm, how about you try like one, two, right? I'm going to do no push-ups. I'm going to do a hundred push-ups a day. Eh, try two, right? Like people go from here to here and there's a journey. There's like an actual process to getting there. And they say, you know, you don't fail to the level of your goals. You fail to the level of your systems and your habits. I think uh, James Clear says that in uh, the book, Atomic Habits. Atomic and habits. it's so true. Things happen through consistency. And so you have to feel like you're a 10 out of 10 in your goals or by nature of just how we're built, you're going to quit. And then you're going to feel real crappy about yourself because you didn't achieve your goal and you become a part of the 92% versus the 8%. So you got to set goals that are actually attainable to you. Don't try to go all out right away. Right. That makes total sense to me. Now, here's something that I uh, got from that. I got two things out of this. Um, one is that like from everything you were saying, I believe that people should start with their why. Because many times what ends up happening is that people end up starting for the wrong reasons. Oh, my buddy's making a fortune in real estate. He just bought himself a BMW. So I've got to become a real estate agent. And reality is, if that's your reason for doing it, that's not a real strong why. That's not going to, when things hit the fan, you're not going to want to continue because you think your buddy did nothing but get out of bed to go buy that BMW. So all of a sudden, you know, you, you're in this torment or this treachery and you don't know what to do. And I think that leads to people giving up. So their why is not strong enough. And then followed by everything you just said. So, I mean, everything you said makes total sense, but I think it starts with the why. The why has to be strong enough to be able to proceed. Yeah, Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. And well, the why has to be internally uh, focused, right? External things fizz out, right? Because those goalposts are forever moving. I want a car. I want X amount of dollars in the bank account. There needs to be like, I, I have a process that I take my coaching clients through. It's called seven levels deep. And so it's like, okay, I want to make a hundred K this year. Why? Well, because, you know, I want to be able to pay my bills and, and I want to get out of debt. Okay. Why is paying your bills and getting out of debt really important to you? And you get to all of this level. So you go seven levels deep and asking that process. And all of a sudden you get to the root. It's like, well, I grew up poor and I really want to be able to put money away from my kid's education. And I've never experienced what it feels like to be debt free. And it's really important to me. All of a sudden you get to the core of why it's so important to them. And it's internally motivated versus externally right? It's sort of like the donkey walking down the pathway with a carrot in front of them. After a while, if the donkeys have the carrot, donkey's not hungry anymore, donkey wants an apple instead of a carrot, they stop chasing it. So how does change happen? It happens through attitude, not incentives, not bonuses, not fear. It's what is important to me that will motivate me to continue when the going gets tough. Because we both know the, the going gets tough on a very regular basis, right? 100%. So, yeah, you're right. And, that, and that's the thing. Now, I've never, I know a lot of people say, oh, money's the motivator. And I think that's the things they tell themselves. I don't think that's the truth. Nope. Because I remember even having jobs when I tried the job thing. And there were so many times, there were so many bonuses and opportunities for that extra money. And I never won any of them. Anytime there was a, a bonus for money, I've never won it. Because mm -hmm. it was just not motivating enough. Listening to it and say $500 extra, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. The many times to get it, it comes time to get up and move. Yep. Didn't happen. And yeah. I always wondered why, why doesn't that happen? Now, obviously as a kid, you don't know this. You don't think about it. You just think I want money. So you get up and go and, and, and then you just drop off and you don't think much more past that. You just dropped off and oh, I forgot, whatever. Right next great, time. Great but. example I have for you for that is the week after Christmas. So I have a 15-year-old son. And, you know, so Christmas comes and goes. He gets his gifts. And, you know, he's excited. Two days after Christmas, he's like, Mom, I want the Oculus 2. It's like a $500 thing. And I'm like, there's no way in heck I'm buying you that like two days after Christmas. You want it? Get out and hustle and go make some money. 
this is a kid that on a week to week basis stays in his room and games and, you know, doesn't really have the drive to go make money in one week. He made all the money he needed to get the Oculus too, because not because of the money, because he wanted to be able to game because all of his friends got the Oculus two for Christmas and he wanted to be able to game with them in this new thing. Now the week after or this week, is he out hustling, making money? No. no, because he got what he wanted. So it's not the money. It's the why behind the money. Yes, you, you nailed it. That's exactly it. Yes. So now going back a bit to, you know, I'm going to go back to your supermarket story and all that. I'm sorry to keep pounding the beast. That's not what I'm trying to do, but <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> but it brought up a, throughout this conversation, it brought up a thought in my mind. Um Many times, and it goes back to even to what we're just saying now, many times what ends up happening is either people accomplish their goals or they don't accomplish the goals. But when they don't accomplish the goals or something goes bad, it's very easy just to say, I tried, I give up. This is mm -hmm. not for me. And they go back to the regular nine to five. Now it takes a special person, which is why we're called an entrepreneur. Because I believe there's two different people. There's a business owner and then there's an entrepreneur. Now oh, the yeah. business owner would take that failure and say, I tried to be in business. Didn't work for me. Doesn't work. You know, some people are just lucky and they go back to uh, nine to five um, and uh, listen to the boss who's yelling at them going, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. And then that's their life. They're not happy with it, but they just succumb to being defeated. Mm. But you got up and said, okay, that didn't happen. What did I learn? Let's do it again. hundred percent. What was that drive? How did, how, did, how did you come to that over being the one that just went to get the job? Especially, like you said, you had a, you had a child already. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, you, your divorce happened around the same time, roughly. Yes. yes. So you had everything stacked against you. Yeah. But you still kept pushing. You know what? I think it has a lot to do with character. And I think character traits can be built. Uh, but I'm a big believer in having both grit and resilience in life. Uh, and I have an acronym for grit that uh, if you're open, I'll share it with you. Please do. Yeah. And so for me, grit is growth, resiliency, introspection, and truth. And so I think by nature of who I am and the stuff that I overcome as a, as a youth, uh, coming from the background that I came from and then as a teenager... I have developed this skill of real grit in understanding that really where you are in your present moment is a, it's really just a blip, you know, in, in the overall space of your life. And there are so many nuggets, so many golden nuggets of lessons that you gather from everything that's happened to you from this moment. And so my nature, I've always looked at I've always gone inward and introspection has been a very important part of my discovery and my up-leveling in both life and in business. And so I've always just looked at every lesson and kind of went inward and went, all right, what worked? What didn't work? What do I like? What do I not like? What would I do different if I did this again? And I literally, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a journaler because I'm not, you know, like a, a, every day. But when something really big or deep happens in my world, I go to the book and I write it all down. And it's like, all right. And then you kind of get a picture of where you went wrong. And it's then it's about being super honest with yourself, like take the ego, put it on the shelf and go, OK, where's the gap? Because some of it was a learning gap. Like I just didn't have the skill for some of that stuff which means I either had to learn it or I had to delegate it in the future. But for the reality, it's just about, I don't know, getting super honest with yourself and saying, okay, how would I do it differently? And for me, it's just trial and error. I think it's kind of like, you know, the baby that goes from the, the little seat and then he starts to crawl and then he starts to walk and then he runs and, you know, as an adult, he's running marathons. Well, he didn't go from the seat to running marathons. There's a journey and he had to fall a few times and bump his head and I think that's what life is about. And so I think if everybody can take on sort of and put their grit hat on and understand that, you know, you need to grow and how you grow is through resiliency. Resiliency is the ability to bounce back, get back up, stand tall, go inward, ask yourself what you did right, what you did wrong. And truth is your why. Are you in alignment with who you are and what you really want? Your why. And I think if you can do that, you can be as gritty as any of us. For sure. Now, going back if you know what you know now and you had to restart, mm. would you have taken a different approach 
or would you have gone through the same route? Oh, that's a hard one. So, I mean, knowing what I know now, I'd be crazy to say I'd do it the same because that was embarrassing. Uh, I would definitely do it differently, right? You know, I would delegate. I would ask for help. I would find more mentors. Uh, there's probably a couple of the companies I would have never started. There's probably a couple of partnerships that I would have never gotten into. So there's definitely some learning lessons, you know, if I if I went backwards. But again, you know, that's kind of the beauty of life. I can't go backwards. I don't have a time machine. So all I can do is take all of those lessons. And as I'm making day-to-day -day decisions in my life and in my business, I'm always looking back going, okay, I've done something like this before. Yeah, that 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 methodology didn't work. So let's let's try it this route. And again, it's a lot, a lot of what I do is trial and error. And I think that's for the most part entrepreneurship because what works for you doesn't necessarily mean it will work for me. So sometimes you're just, it's like trying on a new dress. Not that you try on just dresses, John, but you know, it's trying on a new dress. Like, does it fit? Do I like how it's shaped around me? Nope. Put it back in the closet, put something else on. And so I think that's with, you know, different actions and behaviors you take in business. Some of it, you just got to try on and see if it fits. And then it's like, eh, it's not working for me. Right. I get what you're saying. Now I think a little bit differently but not quite. I mean, obviously, if everybody knew the outcome, they would adjust everything till they get the outcome they want. Yeah. That's obvious. But the reality is that for myself, as an example, I wouldn't want to change anything. Now, I mean, there's certain tweaks I would have liked to make. Yep. But I wouldn't actually want to make many changes because the reality is I am who I am because of what I've been through and because of what I've done. Absolutely. And the people you have in your life as of right now are because of the person that you've become through all of those ups and downs, right? Like the partner I have today in my life, I wouldn't have him if I didn't go through all the ick, have a divorce, learn my lessons through that, and now become, you know, what I consider a pretty kick butt partner. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah. So every business has an aha moment where they go, I fought, I fought, I fought. It worked. I'm here. This is, maybe I'm not where I want to be, but I know I'm on the right path. I know this is working. This is what success feels like. And now I've just got to pour gasoline on it to make it to the next level. What was that aha moment for you? Uh, so I would say for me, it's going to be completely unorthodox and probably not the type of answer you're looking for. Uh, I had to choose happy first. Uh, being in business my entire adult life, I, I was always chasing success. And so on the other side of success would be the happy, right? You'd get really excited and you'd feel joy and you'd feel fulfilled. Uh, but then the goalpost forever moves, right? So your goal is to grow your business to X amount of customers. Your goal is to make X amount of dollars. Your goal is to make this much impact. And then you get there and then there's always a new goal. The goal post is always moving. And I forever was adding my happiness to the success. And a lot of times wasn't finding it. For me, I, again, that's why I do inside out coaching is I had to find my happy first. I had to figure out what brought me the most joy because Again, being in as many businesses as I've been, I've realized that like the title really doesn't matter. The business doesn't really matter. I'm an entrepreneur. That's what I am, regardless of what company I own at the time. So I need to find my happy outside of entrepreneurship, outside of business. So then every day is really just an opportunity to grow. Um, so that would be my answer. An answer that might maybe resonate a little bit more with your listeners is, it's, it's in the delegation, right? I follow a process called dad, you need to delegate, you need to automate or you need to delete if it's on your list, and it's taking up time. And it's not something you need to be working on, go through the process of do I need to delegate it? Is it something that I really need to be doing? Could I automate it? There's a ton of softwares out there that automate, you know, step one, two, three things that are happening all the time. Or sometimes you just shouldn't be doing it at all. Like, you know, the entrepreneur who wants to be on every single social media channel, Maybe not. Maybe delete some of those and focus on the one or the two. Makes total sense. Now, in terms of, I agree with you in terms of the happiness. That is like the number one thing. Why do anything if you're not happy doing it? What's mm -hmm. the point? Now, mm -hmm. but going to what I'm saying with success is many, many people believe that success is, you know, measured by your bank account. 
even if it's at the expense of happiness. What would you say to someone with that mentality? Because, you know, the majority of people think that because they haven't experienced it. Yeah, I, I would, I mean, honestly, pick up the phone and call the individuals that you consider successful and see if they'll answer that question. The reality is for you to be actually happy, actually fulfilled, feel joy, have uh, an a, a overall feeling of well-being and success, you have to integrate both sides of your life. You can't keep work, business, and life separate. So I think anybody that's trying to, you know, mark their happiness on their success, unfortunately, they're going to get to that level and be looking around and feeling very empty and wondering what all the fuss was about, about this very, very large bank account. Uh, and the reality is, is the happy is is typically the people. It's the experiences it's the living your best life. Yes, some of that comes from having some money in your bank account. But I think there's even a study that says, I'm sure the number hasn't increased a little bit, but you know, the average person to feel happy and secure needs about $75,000 a year. So people chasing, you know, $10 million, $5 million, $1 million. After 75,000, they're saying your level of happiness doesn't really increase statistically speaking. So stop chasing the money chase the happy, find the happy, the money just kind of comes after that. Right. I see, that's what I believe as well. I believe in the process. You have to enjoy the process because so many times I hear I'll be happy when I'll do that. When I'll market my business more, when I hit a million dollars, you know, as if you, you know, if you hit a million dollars, whatever you're doing is working, what would you need the market then? But regardless, I've heard that one before. Mm -hmm. And you know, like it's, it's always an excuse of when to be happy later. Now, and that's the thing, I believe you have to start with happiness because like you said, if you enjoy the process and you're happy with what you're doing, the money will come through consistent work. It's all about the work. It's all about the process. You have to enjoy that process and you have to be present in that process. Yeah. And, and I think the reality is, is none of us are really guaranteed, you know, the next 40 years, like it all could be gone next, next week, next month. I mean, if the big C has taught us anything like stuff can change really fast in a short amount of time. And so you have to enjoy every step of the way. And my, you know, personal mantra is if I can go to bed tonight, happy with what I've accomplished today, I have improved better than who I woke up as this morning. I'm in competition with me. That's my joy. That's my happy. I'm improving me every day. If I look back one year ago and compare me to her back then, I'm different. I'm better. I have improved. I've learned life lessons that I can implement in both my personal side and my business side. That brings me joy. And I, I guess, you know, mediocrity is sort of the, the killer of your joy. So. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. The reason you do mediocrity is because you're not, your why isn't there. You're not happy doing with it. You feel you need to do whatever it is you're doing to get where you want, not you're doing what you're doing because you want to do that. And so you, you'll settle with mediocrity as a result because you just need to get it over with. Exactly. Um, I, and I, again, I've heard so many times people are looking for the end. And I always stun people when I say, you want the end? Yes. It goes, great, you're dead. Yeah. And they're like looking at me, what do you mean? I go, our end as human beings is we're dead. Our life is about everything from the time we were born to mm -hmm. the time we die. Yeah. So that's the process in between. The end result is you're dead. Why would you want to get there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But people 100%. don't think that far. <laughs> well, no, and I, nobody really thinks it's going to come. It's sort of like this, you know, fictional experience that's way off in the distance, especially if you're young and you're, you know, still feeling healthy and vibrant. It's just not something you consider, you think about. And then I think when you get to a certain age and you've seen enough people around you pass on of all different ages, you start to realize, oh, okay, this 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 could come at any time. I best be living my best life versus trying to stay busy doing what everybody else wants me to do or what I think I'm supposed to be doing. How about I just stay like authentically true to myself, do what actually brings me joy, make awesome impact on the world and have fun while I'm doing it. Right. See, that's the thing, right? Even going to what you're saying here, like, believe it or not, this may come to a surprise, but half the people I grew up with are dead mm. now. And I don't mean as of today, like where I'm 45, 
that half that I'm talking about were dead by the time I was 35. So look how life can change. Mm -hmm. I mean, think of it. If you're 18 years old, 19 years old in high school, would you go around and saying, hey, there's 100 of us here. 50 of us will be dead within 15 years. Nobody thinks of it that way. But it happens. Maybe not that many. Maybe it might, maybe there's something in the water in my generation. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> the point is, it's shocking. You yes. know what I mean? Like, you don't expect it. And it's an eye-opener. Yeah. And you know what? The greatest practice that I think people can do when you're really struggling with, you know, am I happy? Am I joyful? Am I living my best life? Write your obituary. It's the best practice you'll ever do. Write your obituary as of right now of what that individual that would get up and speak on your behalf, because you've passed what they would say about you and what they would say about you based on who you are today, not who you want to be. And are you happy with what they said? And if not, you're not living your best life. Get to it. Very true. Now, let me, let's go get into your calendar and priorities and stuff. Mm. And where I want to go into that, I'm guessing that you just don't wake up in the morning, get out of bed and say, what shall I do today? I'm guessing you have structure set out. And I don't mean like you're robotic, like, you, 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 you know, you can't adjust. I mean, because we're, you know, as an entrepreneur, we're in control of our own schedule. But I, where, where I'm going with this is I believe that everything you put into your calendar is intentional. It's intentional yes. towards your purpose and your goals. So what would your typical day look like? Uh, so my typical day, I wake up. Probably the very first thing I do is make coffee. <laughs> and then I literally go lay horizontal on my couch, pick up a book drink my coffee and have an oodles amount of me time. And then I look at my day. So I have a old school traditional planner because I like to write stuff down. I still use a Google calendar, but I like to write stuff down and I plan my day based on my annual goal that was broken down to my quarterly goal that was broken down to a monthly goal that was broken down to a weekly goal. So I literally wake up, look at my week and go, okay, based on my goals for this week, what do I need to do today? I put in top three things that I consider the most important. They are non-negotiable. You cannot fumble with these. Then I put the nice to have. So if I get those done, here's what would be great. And then I any calls I need to make or anything like that, I add to it. That's how I open my day. Then I make some breakfast. I go work out. I get that out of the way. So I go for a nice long walk, go work out at the gym, pump some iron. And then I typically am sitting down at my desk by about 11 a.m. So I know for some of you, you're like, what? But that's what works for me. So 11 a.m. is when I start my, I guess, work day. And then usually the beginning of it is getting on shows. So things like this, uh, getting into interviews with potential clients. And then the rest of my day is typically facilitating group coaching programs, which is what I do for the most part of my business. And then I'm usually done by about five o'clock. Every single day, except for Mondays, I teach a class in the evening. I do not work Friday afternoons and I don't work the weekends. Awesome. But there yeah. you go. See, I love how you said basically the first thing you do in the morning is allocate time for yourself. Yes. Right. That is so important. And I can't even stress how important that is. Many times we take ourselves out of the picture yeah. and prioritize everything else. And, and then you can't fit her in afterwards, right? If I allow the day to take on, it kind of becomes its own beast. All of us have this, right? Everybody else wakes up and then, you know, your social media channels are going crazy. Your emails are going crazy. The phone's going crazy. And then everything just starts happening. And the list kind of feels like it's a weight on your shoulders. Where am I going to work out? Where am I going to have me time? It doesn't, it doesn't exist. And then typically your evenings, if you have significant others or children, they're wanting your time so you don't get me time then and then you hit the pillow at the end of the night you're so exhausted and you rinse and repeat so for me the only logical time to have me time is in the morning before everybody really wants me right now even to add to that here's another thing even for people who don't have a significant other single people people starting out whichever the how many times have, has anybody watching or listening have they said to themselves I can't wake up early, so I'm going to work out in the evening. I'm going to do it around 7 or 8 o'clock. How many times after the normal January 1st to January 21st when people start the gym and then quit? Uh, outside of the January 21st, how many times have you gone? I'm going to work out. I'm going to start at 730. 
So you start off your day, you do everything you need to do. 7.30 comes around, you get distracted. 7.30 becomes 8.30. And 8.30, you just look at it and say, I'm too tired, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. And that, that really has everything to do with being super truthful with yourself and having boundaries. I call it rocks and sand. If, you, if you've ever read the book, uh, Traction, it talks a little bit more in depth about that. But basically, rocks are everything that's important to you, your health, your family, your spouse, whatever. And the sand is your business activities, your philanthropy, your community work, all of that. If I have two jars in front of me and I put the sand in it first and try to add my rocks, which is, you know, my spouse and my kids, the damn rocks don't fit in the jar. But if I put the rocks in first and then I add the sand around that, all of a sudden it all just kind of magically happens. That's boundaries. If you put what's important first and make them non-negotiable, somebody calls me and says, Terri Ann, I want to do a podcast interview with you at 9 a.m. No. Terri Ann, I want you to coach me and I need my only time available is 9 a.m. No. It doesn't work. It, it will not work. I do not have FOMO in that area. Why? Because I have declared that what's important to me is me, my health, and my personal boundaries. So that is a non-negotiable. I do not break that with myself. Well said. And that's the thing in real estate, which is, you know, I'm, I do coaching and real estate and mm -hmm. in real estate, we call it time blocking and mm -hmm. it is important. Like we have time every morning or even whatever time it is for you, it's the morning, which I think for most people it should be because mm -hmm. it's easy to get distracted. So if you time block the morning to take care of yourself, then when people, when you say health is your priority, family is your priority, everything else is your priority by doing it in the morning, you're making it a priority. You're showcasing that it's a priority because you can't deny that it's not a priority when you do it first. 100% agree. 100% agree. And I think there's there's just a, the, the saying that I use a lot is you're a human being, not a human doing. So, you know, be human, put the mask on yourself first. It's been a long time since a lot of us have been on a plane, but there's a reason why the steward or stewardess says, you know, in case of an emergency, put the mask on yourself before you help anyone else. Because it's not sustainable to be chasing everything out there and helping everybody else. At some point, you will burn out. You will fall off of whatever chair you're on because you didn't take care of you or you didn't take care of your relationships. It'll, you know, the grass is greener where you water it. If you want to be healthy, water you. If you want your relationships to be healthy, water them. Then focus on your business because the businesses, they come and go in my experience. That's true. That's true. Now, here, here's the other thing, right? Like, how did you go from the typical, we'll say, brick and mortar to mm. the business you are in today? Like, what was your why to say, okay, I've had enough of the traditional. I want to help people and I want to get into coaching. And this is why. Mm. So I think from a really young age, I knew I wanted to help people, had no idea how to do it. I was too young, too naive. Uh, so I started a lot of different companies. I had a sign manufacturing company. I had my retail store. I had my own travel agency. I had a real estate company. And all of those were fun. And in some pieces of each of them, I felt like I was making a difference and helping people. But it never really filled up my cup. The beauty of being in business for any length of time is you get those individuals who send you a message and say, hey. I'm thinking about getting in business. Can I pick your brain? And so I was doing those way before I even knew what coaching was. I'd be sitting down, you know, at a coffee shop, giving people advice, trying to steer them clear of all the pitfalls that I had taken, all the routes that I might like, do not enter. Uh, so I was already doing that. And then about five years ago, after I had gotten out of my last business partnership, I was sort of like, okay, what am I doing next? Do I really want to go out and buy a franchise or start something from scratch? I really, really, really want to fill up my cup. Like I want to make a difference in the world, but I also want to feel really good doing it. And the natural, again, when you start asking yourself like the why, the natural space was well, you, all, you love sitting down in the coffee shop and mentoring people. You love coaching people. Why don't you do that? And so it was really just a natural evolution of what I was already doing, but now monetizing it. And then, you know, slowly over the course of those five years, finding my space, finding my niche. What is it really? Because, you know, lots of business coaches out there. But who do I want to talk to? What is my, what's my message? Who am I trying to, to help? And then I got to where I'm at now. Perfect. Now, in terms of your uh, business, who would be your typical customer or client? Like who, who do you? target for what is your niche 
So for the most part, predominantly who I work with are female leaders and entrepreneurs. They're not in the startup. So they're not, you know, six months new into it or a year new. it. These are individuals for all, all intents and purposes. If you looked from the outside looking in, they're successful, right? But they feel unfulfilled. They feel a lack of balance. They feel a, some of them a lack of spark now like almost like they're losing their why in their business because they're so freaking busy. And so I help them basically bust through that invisible glass lid that they have put on their growth by going through all the systems and the processes that worked for me in growing my business so that I could have a happy business and a happy life and integrate the two of them. So mostly these women are between the ages of 35 to 55. That doesn't mean that they're not sometimes on the outside of that, but that's sort of who I seem to uh, work with from all over North America. So, sounds perfect. I mean, like mm. it, it's, you know, the market you want and you're not trying to market to everybody, which is, what I'm used to hearing when I talk to a business owner, <laughs> who's your target? Everybody. No, it's not. That's probably where we should start. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now, when somebody uh, reaches out to you and they're interested in getting your help, mm. can you describe the process, like the process of starting and the process of the program? Yeah, 100%. So I have two different places they can play depending on where they are in their growth journey. So typically we jump on a Zoom call and we just get to know each other. It's, you know, shoot the shit if, if, you, if I can say that on your show. But it's just, I, it's not a sales call. It's me. I want to know who you are, what you stand for, what's your why, why are you doing it, what's been working, what's not working. So I can find out if there's a natural fit for you and I. Uh, from there, I'm either offering you one of two programs. So one of the programs is a group program that we're working on all the inner stuff. So limiting beliefs and your boundaries and setting appropriate goals and really helping you to grow past that invisible glass lid that you've put on yourself in terms of your growth potential. So that's bucket one. Bucket two is for the individuals who've done that work. They're there, but now they want to step into their brilliance, step into their greatness with their authentic voice. And I have a program that I take women through called The Courage to Speak, where I'm actually teaching women to use their voice to help grow their business, help grow their confidence, help take them to the next level. Because what I've learned, and obviously you've learned it too, because you have a podcast, there is something really powerful, powerful about your voice. If you can show up in the boardroom, on more panels, on a podcast, on a stage, whatever it may be, you will grow by nature organically. But you need the confidence to do it. And you need the skill to do it, to be able to speak in an authentic and a concise way. And there's, it's the number one fear in the world. The number one fear in the world over death and spiders is public speaking. And so for those women that are ready to kind of shine that light bright and get up and in, in front of many thousands, millions, they need to have that. So, yeah. Makes sense. Like, I love how you say that the number one fear over uh, death is, um, is public speaking, which explains why, you know, we're in an era where content is king. You want to grow your business. The first place you should start is deciding what content you're producing. Yep. But the first thing you hear is, oh, I can't do video because it's a form of public speaking. We're not standing in front of the uh, room anymore. We're now standing on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary, like, oh my God. <laughs> well, it's so scary, right? Because I think about going pre-COVID, I was speaking in live audiences, which is great. And you get the laughter and you get the feedback. And then all of a sudden I switched to zoom and everybody's on mute. So all you see is like, and you're, <laughs> well, or nothing, right? So people are just like stoic or they're like this and they're looking that way. And you're like, are they interested? Do they like it? So it was a learning lesson for me to be like, okay, I know how to show up live as in in-person now, how do you like engage people in a virtual space and keep them engaged? Because adults are like, you know, like they're like toddlers, it's, you know, two <laughs> seconds in, they're like, what squirrel over here, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, right? And it's, I've been called brave because I've been on video before. And I'm thinking to myself, how? That's not brave. I didn't do anything. 
Oh, but it is. It is. When you think about it, it's the number one fear in the world. And it is. It's courageous. It's you're putting yourself out there, right? There's no there's no courage without vulnerability. Like the ability for you to mess up is real. Like right now we are live. I have been on live videos where I said a word that came out completely wrong and I couldn't stop myself from laughing. I literally laughed for three minutes. The the host was like, well, while she's laughing, I will keep (laughs) talking. And I couldn't pull it back because I have this laughter that once it, it's like, it once it starts going, you can't pull her back. I did this live, but you know, you just roll with it. Yeah, it happens. It's Hey, you know what it's, and that's the point is like, we're in an era where everyone keeps talking about authenticity, Mm -hmm. but I think 90% of the authenticity is telling you what you think you want to hear. Not really that you're being authentic. I think the people who generally grow are the ones that are actually being authentic, not just using buzzwords. 100% right now I'm actually doing a challenge for myself called the uh, 75 days courage to expose. So every single day for the next 75 days, I think I'm on day eight or nine right now, I've been showing up on Instagram doing a courage to expose and I'm literally sharing all of my blunders like everything that I've done that was wrong or my embarrassing moments, but all to show people that authenticity isn't as scary as we make it seem. And that putting a facade up and only showing bits and pieces of yourself isn't actually being authentic. And I might detract certain people from working with me once they read my story. But I also might attract the really right clients for me because they read my story and now they relate to me. And so that's what I've been doing because I think authenticity is lacking in social media. And I think over the last couple of years, if we've learned anything, the market is not trusting anymore. People are not showing up authentically. And so a lot of people have bought things and have felt fooled or tricked. And now it's our job as entrepreneurs to bring the truth to social media so that the trust is rebuilt. And I think that only happens when you're real. Like it's not always been butterflies and rainbows. Here's all the shit shows I've been through and here's all the mistakes I've made. Oh, just made one yesterday, right? And you can share that in an authentic way. I don't think that's for everybody, but my personality certainly can play to that because I can make fun of myself. True. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like here, I got a kind of a funny story where this is many years back. And when Instagram was just coming out and just getting popular, like, and I was out with a buddy of mine and he wanted to go to the airport or he was driving. We were going to the airport. I'm going, why are we going to the airport for? It was, oh, I just want to, uh, you know, stop off somewhere. I'm like, all right, whatever. So we go and we're going to this weird spot and I'm thinking, can we even be here? I don't even know if this is legal, right? And and like, it goes all oh, around the other side of the fence, so it's okay. So I'm watching what he's doing and okay, well, I'm on the right side of the fence. He wasn't. And he's like, just take a picture. I'm like, why? So I took a picture and I'm like, what, what the hell is he doing? And I'm like, is I taking a picture of this jet or a plane, whatever? And at the time I didn't click in right away. I'm looking at it. Then I realized... He's doing pictures for Instagram. He's using someone else's jet to say as if it was his own private. That's gross. Yeah. But you're, but uh, six months later, I realized what plane that was. And I said to him, I go, you're an idiot. And he looked at me and goes, what do you mean? Well, you know, like how are people supposed to know? I go, if you're going to bull crap people, at least use a a plane. That's not a medical plane. You moron. The plane was owned by somebody I know, and he's in the medical profession. So it's like, that's how I clicked in. I'm like, because I went with another friend. He goes, Oh, that's so and so's plane. I go, It is? Isn't he in the medical field? He goes, Yeah, he uses that one to transport people. Oh, (laughs) so I thought, Oh, man. Your friend was doing marketing for him. Uh, Well, yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) But yeah, that goes to the point, though. That's when I opened my eyes and I thought, Wow. The levels that people will, you know, go through yes. for bull crap. Yeah, just to get a couple more likes and a couple more followers. I'd rather have less followers, but all of them actually want to follow me, the real me. Right. I've been asked by people, why do I show up sometimes in my photos, you know, in my workout clothes? Or, and I mean, like, not like looking fancy like some people do in their workout clothes, like I look like a hot mess. Or why are some of my photos, you know, with a top bun and no makeup on? Because that's me. Like, I don't look glamour every single day, 24 seven, I am a real freaking human who has a real life. And so if I'm going to show up authentically, I'm going to show up in my real self. Yes, I have professional photos that look completely touched up. And I just look, you know, perfect. Those go up there too. 
but for the most part, I show the real side of me because I think that's what's most relatable. I agree with you. Now, I remember when I started in the real estate business, I thought, got to be in a suit, got to dress up, suit and tie. And you know what? I bought all these suits. I'm talking about like, I spent a good 10, 12,000 bucks on suits. And you know what? I think I might've wore them the first three months. Yeah. Then I started thinking about things. And then that's when I started thinking about the authenticity part. And I said, this isn't me. I mean, mm-hmm. all being clear, it was me when I was young. When I was in my 20s, I loved to be in suits. Yeah. I would go to the bar in a suit. I would go to McDonald's in a suit <laughs> because that's who I was, right? Like as <laughs> I was the suit guy, <laughs> right? I just liked looking that way. And you know what? Maybe it's the fact that I got a gut and it doesn't fit as well now where back then I was like a thin tube, you know, like, so maybe that might be the difference. It could be comfort level, whatever. It might be. I just gone so long without wearing a suit Mm. that now it doesn't feel the same that it used to. So somewhere along the line, I said, you know what? I'm doing this to please other people and I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm spending big bucks on fancy suits that I don't give a crap about to impress people that I don't give a crap about. Yep. Right. So, and, and they don't give a crap about me either. No, they're not so, really paying attention to you, right? They're paying attention to themselves because most people right. do that. <laughs> right. So that's when I decided I don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. Now I have a couple suits around still. Mm-hmm. Funeral, weddings. That's about yep. it. Um, yeah. If there's something major, like a major event or I'm speaking, I'll dress up for that event. Oh, of course. But there's a yeah, there's places where that's necessary. I have 50 dresses in my freaking closet. I actually like wearing a dress. I just don't want to wear them all day because they're uncomfortable and I can't sit the way that I want to sit, right? Like I like to sit with my like legs up like this if I'm on like a couch or a chair, right? So I think at the end of the day, if you can show up, you're not in your sweats as a professional, but you show up authentically. Like for me, that would be jeans, a t-shirt, a blazer, and a pair of Toms. If it's not snowing out, that's what I would be wearing. And I look professional, but I also look like myself, right? Right. I'm just like you. Back in my 20s, I wore all the suits and, you know, the the pantsuits and the dress suits or the skirt suits or whatever. And I did like it back then. I felt really, you know, it was almost like I was walking into my power. But now my power is like, what is the most comfortable outfit that also looks professional? How do I make that happen? (laughs) Well, this is the thing, right? So I am authentic. I mean, I'm a realtor first, right? That's what I've been doing for the last few years. Um, the coaching is new, but the point I'm getting at is I, I, this is who I am. T-shirt. Sometimes it's a, one of those long sleeve ones that are like a T-shirt. Sometimes mm-hmm. I wear the buttoned up shirts, but it's still with jeans, not, um, not with suit pants, not with a suit jacket. Um, and it's one of those things that if I'm not for you, that's okay. Yeah. Because I'd rather be not for you yes. than to live miserably and uncomfortable to try to please you. Mm-hmm. Because you think you own me because you're get, uh, I'm earning a check from you. Yep. It's, Life I am short. who I am. I'm here to present facts, details, and things that can help you with mm-hmm. your purchase. I'm not buying it. It's like when I show a home, I, I tell people, I, you're going to know within the first 60 seconds, whether you like this home or not. I go, don't feel like you need to see the whole house because yeah. you think I want you to work like I care. I go, I don't live here. It doesn't matter to me, right? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, you're the one, if you buy this, you're the one coming in. Mm-hmm. So I would rather not waste the extra five minutes of going around to play this facade. I'd rather yeah. you just be in there within that first minute or two saying, this is not for me. Let's leave. Let's go to the next one. Maybe we can fit in an extra house to see with that extra time we took. Yes. Right? Like I would rather do that because I'm here to serve you. So yes. I don't have to dress. If I'm spending my time dressing in a suit, then I'm serving me, not you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I am who I am and I'm here to help you. And if I can help you, yeah. whether I'm in a shirt, a dress shirt, dress pants, or whether I'm in jeans, doesn't matter. This is who I am. I come yep. with the knowledge and expertise. I don't come with the fancy suit. Yep. Yep. I think that's the way to be. And some people won't use me. And you know what? That's okay. Chances are, if you're that stuffy where you need to be that way, we won't get along because we don't see eye to eye. Yeah, so rather than fighting each other, yeah. exactly, exactly. And, and that's okay because there's going to be people that are for me. Yep. So in terms of entrepreneurship, what mm-hmm. would you say to aspiring entrepreneurs or business owners that 
maybe have been working the nine to five, just getting out of school, or they have an idea or a hobby that seems to be really, really good and passionate, Mm -hmm. you know, and they want to start something. They don't want to just keep writing the coattails. What piece of advice would you have for them? You know, I I think go back to what brings you the most joy and what you're good at. So find the, I don't know, I guess the, 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 where the two inter intersect, right? There's something that you're good at. I'm really good at working with people, connecting with people. That is a skill set that I have. And then what you love to do. I love hanging out with people. I'm definitely a little bit more of an extrovert. And if you can find where those two intersect and and there's a marrying of it, and then do your research. Is there a market for it? Now, mind you, you could be like the Teslas of the world and create a market. That's a little bit of an uphill battle, but it's still possible. But is there a market for what you want to do? And then start small. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs will tell you that you, you know, you got to go all in. I think it depends on your personality. A personality like me can go all in and I'm okay to, you know, live off of craft dinner and toast for a little bit. Some of y'all, that's not your thing. You've got bills, a mortgage to pay, you know, things that you need to cover. So jumping all in is super risky and you're not willing to do that. So don't. Start it as a side hustle, you know, a couple evenings a week on the weekends and then find your bliss. And then when you find your bliss, slowly start moving yourself over to it. Quit the job, have a full time business and have some fun doing it. Fantastic. Now to be uh, mindful of your time, I just want to get into a bit of a quick lightning round. Yeah. And, um, you know, just for fun. So I'm going to start off with because I know you're a reader. What's your favorite book and why? Okay, so the book that changed my life is Choice Theory. Why? Uh, Because I've read it six times, and I had to read it six times because I think I'm very stubborn, but it taught me how to overcome everything that's ever gone wrong. It's about taking personal responsibility, that who I am right now is because of all the choices I've made. That's awesome. Favorite movie? P.S. I Love You. I really like Gerard Butler, and, you know, I think that was a really nice love story. (laughs) So very romantic. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Favorite food? Ooh, pizza and donairs. Can I say both? Oh, yeah. Pizza and donairs. I don't know what that one is, but I know what a pizza is, and I love pizza. In fact, I had it. uh, I think it's like, I think a donair, it's an East Coast thing, like gyros. Gyros. Ah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly what that is now. That makes sense. That makes total sense. I mean, they're good too, but pizza I can relate to. I had my uh, sister's little one over for the week and yeah, yeah, we had pizza the other day and uh, I could eat pizza three days a week or three days, three times a day. (laughs) That makes sense. I get it. Yeah, And it's simple too. Yeah. Um, Favorite music. Oh, oh, I know. Geez. Honestly, I like rap. Okay. yeah, I'm like, you know, I, I like rap. I think I'm a rapper. I'm not everybody, so don't ask me to. But I like rap. <laughs> I love it. And it's just about as nasty as anything. But I like the beats. And that's what I work out to. So, you know, I was a Tupac Shakur fan back in the day and Easy E. <laughs> I get it. I get that yeah. one. Um, favorite vacation spot? Oh, ooh, I like everywhere. So I'm going to say Italy. Italy was absolutely amazing. I like to move. I don't like to just sit on a beach. So I like to see new things, big into history. So definitely Italy was awesome. I'm the same way. I can't sit in one spot and ooh, look at the sun. Ooh, I could do boring. that at home. It's boring. Right? So I, I, I believe it or not, I travel alone for that reason. So I can go anywhere yeah. I want, do whatever I want. And I don't have to worry that I'm like uh, alienating somebody. I like that. So yeah. Um, and lastly, favorite hobby. You got, you're asking good ones. Hobby. <laughs> Do I have hobbies? I don't know. Isn't my work my hobby? Uh, no. Um, I don't know. I guess r- cooking. Like I like reading and I like cooking. Like you, oh, you like cooking? I love cooking. What do you love cooking? Like I, I, with, stir fries. With, I like stir to fry. like, yeah, I, I don't know why. I just like all the mixes of everything. And I like to yeah. play with all the different spices. But yeah, I love to cook. Like I think secretly I'm like a little chef in my kitchen and you know I like like to cut all the vegetables and take my time listen to music while I'm doing it maybe drink some wine I like cooking 
And I have like zero, zero stress when cooking. Like I'm just like, if I'm having like the crappiest day, just put me in the kitchen, let me cook. And I'm like, my day just got better. I share that hobby. I have a few things I like to cook. Believe it or not, my two favorite dishes are forms of salads. Like I do this, uh, I call it a Greek salad or village salad or whatever, but it's it's sort of like with cucumbers, uh, tomatoes, onions, and uh, green peppers Mm -hmm. uh, with some... um, Oh, what do you call it again? Some feta cheese. Yummy. Then I usually add a uh, sliced chicken that's mm. um, that with black pepper on it, and I add that oh, to it. Oh, yummy, yummy, yummy! You know what my favorite um, salad is right now? The dill pickle salad from Costco. Right, right. I'm like in love with. Well, I love dill pickles, so dill pickle salad is just like I feel like I'm eating a treat. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so awesome. We have that in common. I love that. I love it. Like, I mean, it's not something I do every day or whatever, but. I do. Yeah, I, I meal prep for the most part because I don't have time to uh, cook every day. But when I do cook, I enjoy it very much. Makes sense. That's not, that's re- one of the reasons I like that salad because it, that keeps in the fridge. Oh. So what ends up happening is I, I, I make it on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Then I can eat it from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. It doesn't go bad. Nice, nice. I like that. Yeah, because it's the liquid. Uh, the liquid, uh, like when you put all you know, oil, vinaigrette or whatever. That's the stuff that makes it goes bad. When, but when you're putting just the feta cheese stuff in it. Yeah. It, it doesn't. Uh, it lasts. Yeah, exactly. So that's one yeah. of the, that's how I started it because it was something I can make last. And then it just happened to be something that I ended up loving anyways. Cool. Awesome. I want to say thank you very much for being on the podcast, especially since it was so last minute. It was. Yeah. Like. Total during, awesome. during my yeah, during my uh, quiet time this morning while I was like again horizontal, just like scrolling, and I was like, <laughs> oh, let me look at the podcast group, blah blah blah. And then I, I met you, John. So I'm happy yeah. I did. Me as well. This has been phenomenal. Like I could talk for hours, yes. but I mean we're all, you know, obviously time's uh <laughs> ticking. <laughs> Especially right now, because like I said, I have my sister's little one and she's on lunch and has to go back to online school, so I better make lunch. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Again, thanks a lot. We'll uh, keep in touch. Awesome. Thanks, John. Have a good day. You too.